Okay, I'm going to do something with you guys that we don't normally do at church, and it's something that maybe seem a little different. I'm going to let you in a little bit on the inside of what we do as pastoral team and the staff. You ready for this? I didn't even tell them. I didn't even tell them we're doing this. But let me just tell you, because I want you to understand this, because you are the church. This is Crown Point Church. You are the church. So, you may not have known this. You may not have thought about this. But when we start thinking about Easter, we start thinking about Easter months in advance. And we start planning for Easter. Now, I don't know, some of you, some of you maybe already be planning. I don't know. Maybe some of your, maybe for you, it's a big family day and you're planning. And last year, remember, Easter got canceled. Does anybody remember that? I couldn't believe it. I thought, I could not believe that happened, but it did. And so families didn't get together. I mean, church didn't happen. I mean, none of that happened. Well, this year it's happening. So we start planning and here's how we plan. This may come as a surprise to you. You know how we do it? We start by planning Mother's Day. I know you're thinking, wait, 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 what? Because Easter's when? I know you don't really know. It's four weeks from today. Four weeks from today. And then Mother's Day follows in uh, May, right? So you're, you're probably thinking, why would you plan Mother's Day for Easter? Well, here's why. Here's why. I'm glad you asked. Because then the next thing we plan is the series that we're going to preach immediately after Easter. Why would we do that? Anybody have a guess? Anybody online? You want to put it in the chat? You can guess. Why do we do that? Maybe you never thought of it this way, and that's okay if you don't. That's fine. This is what we do. Easter is the most attended day of the year in church. It is our Super Bowl, so to speak. And it is that, it, that's true in a number of ways. Not just because people are here, but you think about it, Christianity rises and falls on whether there was ever an Easter. The fact that Jesus died and rose again, him rising again, validates everything he said. And as Paul said, if that didn't happen, then we are most to be pitied of all people. Because none of this matters if that didn't happen. And it happened. It happened. It's an exciting thing. Now, as Christians, we can get together and celebrate, and that's good. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But what we do is we look at it like this. If it is the most attended day in church of all other days then what we want to do is capitalize on that and get people here who have never heard. So you now become part of the team, all y'all. For those of you online, that's what we say in Missouri. We mean everyone, all y'all. I say it for effect because most people look at just roll roll their eyes at me when I say that. That's okay. I don't mind because now you get the point. You're all part of this. Now, Now, look, as a pastor, I could do... I could do a lot of things, and we can, we can put a postcard together. We've done that before. We can mail it out. We can do a lot of things that you would have no idea about as a church to try to advertise. We'll put a sign out, but it's kind of funny. It's like we can put a sign out saying, hey, Easter service, and everybody's like, well, duh. We know it's Easter, and you'll have a service. We, right? We could do that. You have marginal return on investment with that. Are you following me? We want people here. Here's, here's the thing. There's a few reasons people come to church on Easter. A lot of people come to church because, now don't get, I'm not being judgmental, I'm just having fun with this, but have you ever heard of Christers? Those are the people who come to church on Christmas and Easter, Christers. I'm okay with that. You know why? They're here. I'm fine with that. I'm not mocking it. I'm glad they're here. 
People who may come like every other week or once a month, they usually come that day. But here's something you may not know. Study after study after study after study shows that over half of people, all kinds of people, would come to church if someone asked them. And when asked, they're going to come on a holiday like Easter more than any other day. So why not take all of those things and build into it something that we care about? We want people to go to heaven. It's not about filling the room. It's not about making a church a certain size. Honestly, that is not the goal. The goal is to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. And if they don't know the gospel and don't hear it, then they they won't know. They just won't know. Now, churches, I, I've been in church my whole life, like most of us. And, and churches, and some still do this, but we used to do like a play or, and, um, or, or, or we used to do like a, maybe a musical or something like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But, but what we found is that doesn't necessarily mean, because say somebody comes to a musical and then they, they're new and then they say, well, what happens next week? And be like, well, nothing like that. <laughs> so here's what we've decided to do. We want to show them what church is like the next week. And then we want to tell them, the reason we plan Mother's Day is, in just a few weeks is Mother's Day, and here's what's going to be happening. You do not want to miss it. And then we say, and then next week, here's what we're going to be talking about. And we want them to know, because one of the biggest uh, barriers to people come to church is the unknown. They don't know. If they've never been in here, they don't know. That's why we host so many events at the church, honestly. That's why, you know, when they were doing the weather spotter trainings, we would host them all the time because we know a barrier is broken down when they've been in the building. You, you may not realize this, but our church is a wonderful place, and a lot of people have no idea what this building is. But let me just ask you this question. How many of you have had this experience? Let me explain it. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. They'll ask you where to go to church, and you are telling them, there's a lot of ways to say it, well, you know, Little Blue turns into Lakewood Way, and we're there. We have that really pretty place with the pond. Or maybe you say on the southeast corner of, of 40 and 291, or maybe they're, they're Lee Summit people, and you'll tell them it's just north of Lakewood. You see it up there on the hill. And what do they say? I didn't know that was a church. How many of you have had that experience? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. All right. So that's the problem. And then when people, they want to come in here, but they don't know, and they, they don't know anybody. And you guys have been doing this forever, and, and you come to church, and you've, you've broken down all those barriers. It's not weird to you. And they may wonder, well, where do we sit? And what if, what if people talk to us? Or what if they don't talk to us? And, and I mean, seriously, you've, you've been doing this so long, you've forgotten how all that is. So we want to break down not only all those barriers, but we want to make it possible for people to get here. And what's the goal? <clears throat> we want them to come back. Because most people aren't going to just fall on their knees and, and commit to Christ day one. Usually they have to hear a few times. And there may be some questions that they have. They're rolling around in their minds. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will start working on them. And so as we do all that, we want them to be here so that they can hear a gospel presentation and find out what it is. And that we want them to see what we do. And here's my most, this is the thing, I, we've got a secret weapon. Don't, don't get weird if you're watching online and think we have weapons here. You're the, you're the secret weapon. You are it. You are the church. I tell people this all the time. If you only knew the people in that building, you would want to be part of them. You would want to be part of that family. These are good people. You, this church is an amazing group of people. When they get to know you, but they can't do that if they don't come. 
And they probably won't happen if they don't come again. And then another time. And another time. That's why we do it this way. So I'm going to ask you to join our team and be part of this. We want them to see what church looks like the rest of the 52 weeks of the year. And I want them to have a chance to get to know you. And the only way that happens is if we let them know. So let's just do this for a minute. Okay, you know, so many times people complain about social media. I get it. I understand. People can spend too much time on it. They can end up on places they shouldn't be. And maybe they have make connections they shouldn't make. I get all that. But I don't know what you use social media for. I love connecting with family and friends I haven't seen in a long time. I love the fact that we can be online and, and, and connect with people all around not only the city or people couldn't make it to church today or, you know, people from other countries even. It's amazing. Why not use that technology why not leverage that to get people here? So let me, I, I don't know if you've, you know, any of you who are on Facebook or, or, or Instagram or whatever, but this is how it works, basically. You, you can use that for what most people do, and that's fine. Connect with their friends and families. Win and convince people over to their political position, right? That happens all the time. I'm <laughs> just kidding. That never happens. Uh, you can virtue signal about what you think is important and how good of a person you are. You would never do that. You can show off your latest meal or clothes or, you know, it's just funny. I don't care about all that. that people do that. I don't care. You can advertise. You can do all that. But you, what you could also do is actually invite people to join you here. Now, think about this for a minute. Why, why, is, why is social media kind of a rough, rough and tumble place sometimes? You ever, you ever wondered that? Sociologists have done incredible studies to show something. Maybe you don't know this, but here's what it is. Because there's that filter of a screen and you're not looking eye to eye and you don't see the impact your words have, people are willing and likely to say things they probably wouldn't say if they were face to face. We could use that. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, it could be awkward just saying, hey, you want to come church with me? Uh, Right? How do you do that? Hopefully you're in relationship with somebody but you can use this social media tool, and the very, for the very same reason people are willing to say things they shouldn't say, you could say something you should say, but it might be awkward or uncomfortable for you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's, it's not that super complicated, and as I've said a, a, a lot of times, and I'll keep repeating this, I use the YouVersion Bible app for a lot of things. We in the church are doing a Bible reading plan. There's over 100 people doing this. Not everybody comments. You're free to comment. I enjoy reading the comments. I, I learn things literally every day. And uh, that may be surprising to you because, I don't know, maybe you don't realize that, but people have wisdom that you don't always know. And you can see all that when we're doing that. So I love that. Another one of the things we do is I always put the notes into the U version. So if you use U version, you can go into the menu. And if you're here in the building, uh, it'll automatically pop up if you, if you hit a live event. If you're watching online, all you need to do is put in our zip code 64064, and then you will be able to find this. So... So here's what I'm asking you to do. In there today, one of the links that's right there is an advertisement for Easter that Pastor Nick put together. It's a really cool little short little video clip. And the, one, the link I put in is on Facebook. It's very simple. So here's how Facebook works. In case you didn't know this, they're making money. Did you know that? Do you know Google exists to make money? Instagram's owned by Facebook now. They all, that's all they want to do is make money. So what they want is... If the way that works is how they try to measure how long somebody's eyes stays on your screen. You know how they measure that? By interest. Is what you're putting on there generating interest? So you may wonder, why do I see what I'm seeing? How does this happen? Well, here's how it happens. If somebody likes 
And there's all those other versions. You can put a thumbs up, right? Or a heart, right? What's that one that looks like, is somebody holding on to a heart? To me, it looks like the person's going, huh, I don't know about that. Maybe it's just too small for me to see. I don't know. Okay, don't worry about that. Just you making a comment like that tells them, oh my goodness, somebody's looking at this. So that they look at it as an opportunity to increase their advertising. If you comment, it takes it like 10 times higher. Because you, okay, so we've all done this, right? You're just scrolling through, scrolling through, and you see some, oh, I'm like that scroll, 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 like, that's one thing. But if you actually take the time to comment, that tells them that's more interesting. So they will promote that more because it's interesting. Guess what promotes it even more? If you share it. Now, I'm not, I don't share a lot of things. And I'm not, if you're not comfortable with that, fine. That's fine. But what I'm asking you to do is, is like, comment, and share what, what the advertisements for Easter that we're putting out on our Facebook and our Instagram. It's just that simple. And then what will happen is that that will promote it way more than it would even if we you know, paid to promote it. That's just how their, their system works. So I look at it like, why not use their system to promote what we already want to do? The fact is, we want people to know what's going on. And if you believe in it, if you like it, tell somebody about it. I mean, we do that with whatever, right? If you liked coffee at this place, you're saying, oh, I liked this. And somebody else, oh, I like that too. And boom, now that coffee place is getting a lot of advertising, which is awesome. So I'm just saying, advertise this. You guys good? Does it make sense? All right, hit that link. That'd be great. So here's what we're doing. I'm, what we're going to do is for the next few weeks, I want to take you on a walk toward Easter. I want you to understand what Easter is, why we do it, why it matters. And hopefully you'll, you'll learn some things. But before we even get there, have you ever thought about this? What are some of the barriers that people have to faith? What keeps them from believing what you believe and seeing what you see? Why is it that, that you are so convinced of this and yet other people are not? One of the reasons is they just don't know. That might be surprising to you, but that reason is growing like you would not believe. There are literally generations of people who do not know what you know. That's sometimes it's hard to understand because you've lived this life. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've known Jesus for a long time. And you, you forget when you learned all this stuff. You don't even know. You, you know so much. You, you probably forgot more than most people even know. And the fact is they do not know. And that may be shocking. So what that means is for some of those people, it's going to take you time to help them understand what you know. And it's going to be so obvious to you, but it'd be like jumping into calculus with a third grader. They don't know that. They need all this math ahead of time to get to the point where they understand your calculus. For you, your relationship with Christ is like that. You've, you are so developed and so experienced, but they need the basics. For some people, they, uh, <laughs> the fact is that not only do they not know, they just don't believe yet. They just haven't been convinced. They're curious. They have an open mind but they're not convinced. For those people, again, it's just going to take some time. Now, there's other people, though. There's other people who really don't want to surrender control to anybody. They like being in control of their life, making their own decisions, choosing when they do this, choosing what rules they're going to follow, what morality they're going to choose. For some people, they just do not want to change. They're in a habit of doing things a certain way, and that's all they want to do. For some people, they just don't like obeying rules at all. They make their own rules and nobody else's rules. For some people, think about this and be honest about this. They don't like the church. They don't like organized Christianity. They don't like Christians. They don't like your attitudes, your values. 
They don't like the carpet? Which of those are the easiest for you to overcome, do you think? Those first two. I'll, I'll just cut to the chase. There's going to be people who, who God has already worked in their heart, and they are ready. And there's going to be other people that need more work and take time. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's how it works. Those ones can be really difficult, though. You've got to wonder, are they really seeking truth? I mean, their minds are made up. Are their minds so close? Are their hearts so wounded by something maybe even a Christian did that because of that, they've got a lot to go through? Some are blaming God or, or Christians. They're, 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 victim. they're very judgmental. It's very, very, very difficult. Have you ever wondered, how do you reach them? I, I was thinking about when I was a kid. Remember those bumper stickers that said, turn or burn? You think that'll work? Yeah, probably not. Get right or get left? Remember that one? Probably not a great approach. Um, I'll guarantee you what will not work is a Christian who's arrogant, argumentative, condescending, vitriolic, loud, obnoxious. That won't work. You know what will work? For you to pray, live, and tell. That's the sermon today. It's pray, live, tell. We've been praying for some people to be healed. And, and I believe God is working. I think there's times, though, where you've prayed for things, and maybe because it hasn't happened when you want and how you want, you start to doubt the power of prayer. It's easy to do. I'm going to say something that maybe for you, everything that's real is in your physical world, and so sometimes you forget how powerful prayer is. It is powerful. It's the most important and most powerful thing you can do but because you don't see the results right when you want sometimes you start to doubt that and in that doubt you stop praying the way you should pray i'm going to challenge you to do something different though because prayer not only it works it's by definition the most important thing and most powerful thing you can do and let me just add this by definition it's almost something you can't always know what's going on because you're asking a god to do something supernatural in a world that you can't even see There's a spiritual world that we don't even know about. And there's things going on in these people's lives that you can't know. You can't possibly know every detail of everything. But the faith part comes in where you know there's a God who loves and cares and is powerful and is working behind the scenes in ways you can never know. How many times has something worked out and you look back and you think, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see how God was going to put all that together. And he did. Because he was working on this person and this person and this job and this detail and that detail. And you had no idea. And then when it works out, it comes together. You go, Wow, wouldn't have done it that way. But look at God. Look at God. That's what I'm asking you to do. To trust a God who knows and a God who's powerful and works in ways that you could never, ever anticipate. Prayer works when, when you won't, can't, or don't. Do you ever think about that? If it was all in your control, it wouldn't work anyway because we're so limited and finite, but he's infinite. God loves them more than you ever could. He cares about them and cared about them long before you ever knew them. Do you realize that verse that says that God created us in our mother's wombs and knit us together in that dark place? And it says that every day was planned out for us before we were even born. Do you realize that applies to them as well? That person who is angry at the church, that person who, who, who you think oh, he'll never be a Christian, their life was planned too. He loves them like he loves you. When he died on the cross, he died for them the same time he died for you. I think one of the things we miss is compassion for those people. And when you don't care about them, you're not going to pray for them. Let me, let 
Let me challenge you to do something. C.S. Lewis talked about this all the time. He said, sometimes you need to do the right things, then the feelings will follow. That doesn't seem right, right? Most of us think, well, I'm not going to do it unless I feel like it. That's not, that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us to pray. And then what happens is he wraps his heart around our heart and helps us understand his heart for them. He does that thing. I think sometimes we forget who the Holy Spirit is and what his job is. You, you realize it's not our job to convict him of sin. <laughs> That's his job. It's his job. Jesus said this in the book of John. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. What we forget is a lot of times they can't even see their own sin. They don't know it. Sometimes the, most, the person who's the most blind is ourselves. We can't see our shortcomings and our failures and our faults. And they are in the same position. And look, we do the same thing just like they're doing. We justify our sin. We, we make excuses for it. We compare ourselves to other people. We rationalize it. We judge other people's actions while we judge ourselves by our motives. Look at 2 Corinthians. Paul says this. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the, light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Who has blinded them? The enemy. How has he done it? Sometimes he's done it by the life situations they've lived through and the hurts that they have. And any time that they're close to accepting Christ, they, he just shows them and reminds them of something that's hurt them. Maybe it's culture. Maybe it's the church sometimes or hypocrites. or uh, All these things come into their life and blinds them. They're hopelessly confused. Paul said it like this in the book of Ephesians. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness they wander from far from the life God gives them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame for they live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Look at this in the Amplified Version. This blew me away. I solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live in the futility of their minds and in the foolishness and the emptiness of their souls. I hope you have the compassion for them that he has. Your, your soul is full. Your soul is rich. Your life is rich. You, you have a relationship with God that carries you through tough times. And there's times where, you know, I was, I was over at uh, the chancellor's on Friday and, and, and praying with them. And, and I saw the strength that they have from family and from prayer and trust in God. And he said, Pastor Dennis, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to see Jesus. And I was looking at him and just thinking, how many people right now are in his situation but don't know Jesus? What do they have? Nothing. There's an emptiness in their soul and the panic they must feel at that point. And maybe the anger at, at, at life being over and all of those things. And I look at that and I think, God, you are blessed. You are a blessed man. For their moral understanding is darkened and their reason is crowded, clouded. They are alienated, listen to this, and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it because of this willful willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and insensitivity of their hearts. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality and eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. They're so confused. 
They're so confused that even when you share and cast seed, it won't grow. But thankfully, that's not up to you. The Holy Spirit is working in ways you could never, ever imagine. Jesus told a really cool parable one time where he talked about a, a farmer casting seed. And a lot of times, you know, they didn't have the machinery we have today. They, they would just take the seed like in a big bag and just throw it out. They didn't have the luxury of just putting it right in the right soil. So he gives this great illustration. He talks about how some of that seed would fall on the footpath that was beaten down. like It'd be like rock. Or you, you've probably got spots like that. Maybe you have a dog that runs a route around your yard and nothing will grow because the soil is so compacted. And what he said is those, those seeds, the birds would come and snatch them right away because they're just exposed. They're never going to get into the soil. Then he talked about some of the soil being shallow and underlying rock. And so what would happen is, is the, the, it would root right away because it would be a little warmer because the sun shines and that rock underneath would warm it. But because the roots were shallow, the cares of life would, would just die, make it die. It would just die very quickly. Or he talked about some seeds would uh, fall in thorny areas and those thorns would choke it out. The cares of life. Then he talked about good soil. Here's what he didn't say. He didn't say only share seed in good soil. I want you to hear that. You're supposed to cast the seed. So don't limit it. Don't don't limit it to just people you think are going to respond the right way. God has a heart for all of those people. And you have no idea what the Holy Spirit is doing behind the scenes. You have no idea. No idea. We always think of it from our perspective and like, I'm the only one talking to this person, but you are not. There are other people. The Holy Spirit is speaking to them. People, maybe their grandma is praying for them. Maybe somebody else in their life is telling them. And that one thing you say might be the one thing that would tip the balance and change everything. Why does the Holy Spirit convict them? It's not to make them feel bad. That's never God's intent. That's the enemy's intent. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Christ has come to give them life and life more abundantly. What he does is this. He helps them see their need for a savior. You you can't force that. He does that. Think about this. It's the whole reason Jesus came. Easter's in four weeks. Everything Jesus did led up to Easter. That was the whole purpose. (laughs) Pray, live, tell. You need to be praying for those people. I hope God is putting people on your heart right now. I hope as you walk through the day, rather than being angry at someone who was rude, you start praying for them. God, what would their life like? Someone in the news, maybe, a, maybe a, some media personality, and you think, oh my goodness, that's horrible. Pray for them. He said to live. That's part of casting the seed is you living. You pray and then you live. Think about this. You serving a a desperately dark world changes their heart and minds. You living out the fruit of the Spirit and living in a different way than anybody else ever lives, that changes everything. When you live a disciplined life and you're praying and you're reading your word, that changes you. Peter said it this way, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Then you need to tell. Now, uh, granted, sometimes the best sermon you could ever preach is a life well-lived. Again, I'm, I'm not, I didn't even ask Dave if I could use these examples, but Dave Chancellor, living his life, he's got all these people at the bus company. He works for the, the Blue Springs School District. They did this huge bus parade that made news because everybody's wondering, what's going on? 
It's because he lived his life for Christ. He wasn't going around preaching. He didn't have to. His life for Christ preached a sermon that changes people's lives. But, but I want to th- think about this for a second. You can be casting seed and you don't have to preach sermons. The fact is, you know, there's times where maybe someone would, you, you might be the person that ends up being the one that changes everything, but it may not be that way. Have you seen that t-shirt that says, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus? It's kind of funny, I mean, you know. Yeah, he did, he took naps. How, what if we did this? What if you had a shirt that also said, Jesus prayed, be like Jesus? You ever notice how many times Jesus prayed in the Gospels? Did you ever wonder, why did he have to pray? I mean, him and God are like this. I mean, the God and the Holy Spirit are like this, right? Did he have to pray? I think he did. To keep the relationship strong. You know how it is. Think about your earthly relationships. You don't talk to somebody, you don't have a relationship. The fact is, you need to be praying. You need to be seriously praying. Jesus prayed, be like Jesus. Look at how he lived. Look at how he lived. Look at all the times that, I've, I've told you this before, almost every single ministry moment, teaching moment, not every teaching moment, but every, every miracle was an interruption. Almost every one. There's a couple exceptions. But almost every other one that we think about, preach about, talk about all the time, weren't planned. And yet our plans, our get plans get messed up a little and we get all you know, upset, don't we? I got this day, and I'm trying to do these things, and somebody's calling me, why are you interrupting me? And somebody cuts me off, and this happens, and somebody gets in line in front of me. Maybe that's God's way of giving you an opportunity to plant a seed that you would have never had the opportunity to plant before. (laughs) Jesus preached and taught, be like Jesus. He lived it, be like him. There's there's this uh, quote that's been attributed to Francis of Assisi that says, preach Jesus, always use words if you must. It's a good quote. It's a good idea. Make sure that you're preaching with your life. But I don't want you to think that's the only way because in truth, Francis was a preacher. He wasn't just somebody who lived and didn't say anything. He preached. We need to say something. Look at, look at this in John. By this, everyone will, you, will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for each other. I, I'm not a salesman but I am. Do you ever think about that? We're all salesmen. I talk to salesmen all the time. I actually met with somebody this, this last week. It's a former student of mine. He said, hey, there's this guy I know. He needs to talk to a preacher. And um, so we, we sat down and talked. And this guy's a salesman. And we were talking about how it works with salesmen. You know, they, <clears throat> we were just talking about his business. He's an insurance salesman. And he said, <clears throat> I asked him, how many, how many times do you have to talk to somebody before you get a sale? What's your average? He goes, oh, yeah, well, normally it's 60%. He goes, but I'm up to 80%. So that I know, and he just went into all this, you know. I know I got I to gotta call this many people in a day to make this many sales. And, you know, and I look at that and I'm th- all I could think of was all the rejection. <laughs> do, do you realize you're selling? You're selling Jesus. And if you don't talk to anybody, you can't close a deal. You'll never tell them. Someone's got to close the sale. And I asked him about that because I, I knew what we were talking about today. And I said, so how do you do the close the sale part? When do you wait? How do you know when to do it? He goes, well, it's different for everybody, but, you know, I try to, I, I try to build rapport with them, and then as we're talking about it, I, I show them their need and how much they need this and how much it's going to help their life and, and change their life and how good it'll be for them. <clears throat> he goes, then I give them a minute to decide, and then I ask them, are you ready? Are you ready to make this decision? What would it take for me to help you make this decision? <laughs> Looking at it, and I'm thinking, 
Why don't we do that? He's a good guy. And I said, um, I said, and I was a Christian, I, I have the best thing that they could ever have. And I need to ask him that. This will help you. And he said, he goes, he's a Christian. He, he, he said, he goes, well, I, I wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing if I couldn't help people. It has to help them or I'm not going to sell them. I even tell him that. He goes, I tell him, well, no, you actually have a pretty good deal here. You should stay with your company. And he goes, every time they're like, what? He goes, and what's funny? Sometimes people will buy with me even though their deal's better because I was honest with them. You, you may not have every answer, but you don't have to have every answer. You don't. The fact is nobody has every answer. What, what I think God is calling us to do sometimes is be farmers. We... We think God's calling us all to be preachers or evangelists or somebody out on the corner with a, with a sandwich board and, you know, turn or burn. That's not what he's calling us to do. What he's calling us to do is plant seeds. And think about it like this. Maybe, maybe that seed you plant may be more sometimes even like a rock in their shoe. Have you ever had that? It's just bugging you. You're walking, and you're like, oh, I've got to get that out. And it shifts a little bit, and you're okay for a few more steps. And eventually, you've got to stop and take that rock out, Right? What, what if what you say to somebody is that thing that just makes their current worldview uncomfortable enough for them to question? Just one thing. Maybe it's you serving them. Maybe it's you, you know, taking the time to pray. Maybe, it's, maybe you're having lunch and you're getting ready to pray over your meal and you ask your server, is there something I could pray for you about? That happened to, to some of us this week, actually, and the guy just said, are you serious? We said yes, and he said, well, actually, I just found out yesterday I have cancer. Like, well, okay, let's pray for you right now. His name's Keith. Here's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to pray. He's calling us to live it, and he's calling you to tell, to cast some seeds. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a minute. I know in a crowd like this, it's, it's, I, I can never know the life situation of everybody in here. I don't know each of you and to know if you're, if you're following Christ with your whole heart or not. I don't know. I can't know. So I'm wondering if there's somebody in this crowd here today that maybe, maybe you've had questions about Christianity or maybe you realize you haven't been following the way you, you should or maybe for you, you're ready today to choose to follow him. Is there anybody like that? I'm going to ask you if, you, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? We would pray with you right now. Anybody like that today in the room? If you're watching online and that is you, then I'm going to ask you, please, you can, you can mention that in the chat and the people following that will pray with you or you can pray along with us today. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I feel like we should. I'm going, to, I'm going to actually ask us all to pray a simple prayer together for the benefit of anybody in this room but also those watching online. It's a simple prayer. It just acknowledges the fact that we've, we need Jesus. We need forgiveness. We need to apply his sacrifice to our lives and we want to live with him. So would you repeat this after me? Father God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I want you in my life. I want to turn my life over to you. I want you to forgive me and make me new. I want to live with you forever. Keep your eyes closed for a minute. If, if you prayed that prayer and you're here, I'd love to talk to you, just to help you talk to you and answer some questions. But I have another question, a very serious question for you today. I know as I've been talking, I feel like the Holy Spirit has been 
And he does this. As, as the Spirit of God talks to us, he, he drops thoughts in our minds. Or, or maybe you feel a, just an urgency or a sense of burning. I don't know. But I'm wondering, with your eyes closed for a minute, I'm wondering how many of you God dropped somebody. Maybe their face, just you saw their face. You know that they need Jesus. Anybody at all saw somebody who felt like that as we were talking? Go ahead and raise your hand. I just want to know. Thank you. I'm going to ask another question. I know most of you, everybody in this room are Christians, but I wonder how many of us, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us, instead of feeling compassion, you maybe felt some other emotion when people were rejecting Christ. What I'm going to ask us to do right now is I'm going to ask God to work in us, every one of us, and I'm going to ask him to work and work on those people that he's put on our hearts and minds. Would you stand with me as we pray? I'm going to pray for all of us right now as we get ready to dismiss here today. Father, we come before you and we know that we, we are so just, you know, we're human. We don't have every answer. We don't always know what to say. We, we sometimes have the wrong reactions. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would give us your heart for people, your compassionate heart that no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what they've done, that we would sense and feel for them the heart that you feel for them. That you would fill our hearts with that compassion. Father, for those people that you have brought to our minds who desperately need to know you, God, I pray that you, right now, that you would be working on their hearts and minds. That, God, that whatever it is, whatever it takes, that you would help us to say the right thing. You would help us to do the right thing. We pray for the people who are in their lives who are also doing and saying those things. And, God, we pray for those people to come to know you a savior. And as we close today, God, we continue to pray for Dave Chancellor, but we also pray for Keith. Don't know the details of his cancer, but we just ask God that you would do a miracle in his body. That you would change and that you would make the changes necessary. And we give you all the glory for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you today. I want to encourage you. Why don't, why don't we let you guys head out to your table? I want to encourage you to go. Please talk to Danny and Sherry. Make sure you have time to, to hear about the mission that the God has put on their heart. And I want to challenge you to make sure that you're praying, that you're telling, and that you're going. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today.